0: Today's episode is a question-and-answer episode with Noelle Free. Noelle Free is kind of my apprentice, my apprentice-type person. (laughs) Uh, Nalaya Chakana is laughing in the background. You may remember her from episodes 100 and others. I, I shared, I think it was in the Dark Masculine episode, which is over a year old, that I was looking for an apprentice, which I was last year. And then I ended up hiring someone. I don't have to go through the whole backstory, but basically I kind of let go of that idea. But then this guy, Noel Free, who's been a listener to the podcast, reached out. We ended up connecting. I felt, uh, I could relate with him a lot, especially reminded me of myself when I was younger. I don't know how to say that without sounding like an old, old man, but, uh, <laughs> but essentially I guess he's like an apprentice type person. That's all you got to know. And, I uh, one thing that really impressed me about Noel Free was that he had a lot of insightful follow-up questions about some of my podcasts. So uh, after one of our conversations, I thought we should record a podcast. So this is a question and answer. It started about the lover archetype episode, but then we kind of moved into speaking about the dark feminine and like mother complex stuff. We speak about the origins of darkness, uh, how men can relate to the anima, and various thoughts about culture. So this is a new type of a new type of episode. I've said that a few times this season. Um, but I hope you enjoy. Right now you're listening to episode 104, a discussion on the lover archetype and dark feminine and culture featuring Noel Free. The Ruando Podcast is an exploration of the unconscious and the game of life. Be sure to visit Rwando.com to get a preview chapter of my upcoming book, Infinite Play, and free access to my content library. Enjoy the show.
1: So for... The first question I want to ask you, what is the lover archetype and where does it show up in a man's life?
0: The lover archetype is the part of someone's psyche, specifically for a man, the part of him that relates to the feminine. That can be relating to women, obviously. This is what comes out when he relates to women intimately, but even like his mom or like just women, any kind of woman. It's also the part of him that relates to his feminine side or what Jung called the anima. So this is where uh, these are like the oxytocin driven emotions and behaviors and feelings, uh, the desire for connection, the uh, feelings of cooperation. Even if you really want to get like a really deep into it, like when a man is with other men and he's willingly choosing to be in a follower role and he feels good about it. It's also technically that archetype, but we don't, have, you know, that's where it could get a little complicated. Um, but yeah, it's just the part of him that enjoys love and connection.
1: So is it safe to say that it has a big role in relationships and not just to the feminine, but to other people, because really, uh, the feminine is with emotions and like you know, it to relate to others. Is that a safe assumption?
0: Yeah, it's the part. It's the social part. It's the part that cares about connect. It cares about community and tribe, um, and intimacy. Like these things that maybe don't matter so much to like a reptilian brain, uh, or are like rational brain that is just thinking about ideas like this is the part that cares about emotion and people and what does it mean
1: to be disconnected from that part of yourself or have it distorted
0: if a guy is disconnected from his lover archetype he's probably going to have pretty bad relationships he'll probably have a hard time being intimate uh he might seem like he always has his walls up around people just finds it hard to connect and you see this a lot in guys who even are guys who are really smart, for instance, and they can understand things. They can even understand how social dynamics should work or how attraction should happen. But like they can't feel it like it's so unnatural to them because these behaviors, they're just disconnected from them. Like they're not the the impulses that would come from oxytocin are not feeding into their behavior naturally. So it seems like this it just seems like a faraway thing. It's not internalized.
1: I always figured The anima, well, you already mentioned the anima, but I always figured it had a role to play just because um, the anima is very much shaped by our mother figure. Mm -hmm. And the relationship that a man has with his mother is obviously important um, because it dictates that. So could there be childhood traumas that distort the lover archetype in a man?
0: Definitely. I mean, trauma could be maybe a heavy word, but maybe there's not a better word for it right now. Certainly a man or anyone's first imprint of relating with the feminine, let's say specifically a man, a boy, is through his mother. I mean, his assumptions Mm -hmm. of what's normal behavior from a woman comes from his mom, which is why you see adult guys who maybe had a really needy mother, and to him, neediness in women means love. Or maybe they had like an absent mother or like a strict mom, and like he sees that behavior as what is normal when he meets women later in his life, and this is true for you know, it's true for anyone. Our early imprints tend to set the tone of what is normal because when you're a baby, you have no idea what's normal, you don't know what's right or wrong or good or bad. Your parents or your caregivers or what kind of they're, they're your gods when you're an infant, and they're the ones who like tell you what is right and wrong based on what they do. So, a lot of us just have these assumptions, and uh, yeah, and well, I would say I don't know if this is what you're getting at, but I think you're familiar with the mother complex for a lot of guys if they can never free their perception of the feminine or how they relate to the feminine from how they relate to their mom or how their mom related to them when they were little, they end up in these like patterns and repeating patterns of relationships, like basically dating their mom or like when they fall in love with someone, even if they were totally a man and totally in their power during the courtship phase, once they're intimate, they become a boy because that's just how they know to relate to a woman they love. That's how they related to their mom. So part of maturity for a man and part of really like, embodying his lover archetype and being free or freeing his lover archetype is learning how to relate to women in a way that is not relating to his mom
1: and just piggybacking off of that that, do you think that's also connected to the nice guy because the nice guy um also stems from you know mother issues and mother wounds anima
0: what's the connection there yeah well that nice guy syndrome is a way of relating specifically to women uh because that's the assumption with nice guy syndrome is, oh, if I act nice, women will like me. And that just like any, any thought, any uh, unconscious thought uh, that's been programmed into us probably came from childhood. So like a guy who just recognized that if he's really nice and docile and not masculine and demure, Oh, his mom likes him or old ladies pinch him on the cheek or his teacher validates him. His female teacher validates him, especially he grows up thinking, oh, this is the way that women will like me, which definitely is not true in intimate relationships.
1: It's very interesting because I also find that society uh, has a huge role to play in the making of the nice guy, Um, not just mothers, but mothers included. But like just bringing up MGTOW, something that you said on the podcast was that Men who go to MGTOW, have they're on the hypermasculine end of the spectrum because they have this resentment towards women, whereas nice guys are more on the other side of the spectrum, but they also eventually get resentment from women. So is this resentment that on one side pops up in men on, and then in women, and then on the other side pops up in men? Is that a result of like a man not being in his healthy polarity? Because if you're not able to be in your polarity, you're not able to effectively have fulfilling relationships. And MGTOWs are usually the people who build that resentment in women, right? Mm -hmm. And nice guys are the ones that have the resentment built inside of them. Is that uh, because of the polarity? Because it's not there and they're not able to function properly with it?
0: Well, I'm not sure exactly what I said before, but I would say like, you know, MGTOW is almost a reaction to nice guy syndrome. Like no guy would choose to go MGTOW if he has a really healthy relationship with women. Usually the MGTOWs are nice guys who realize they've been doing, they've been following the wrong script for a long time. And their reaction is to go hating women or deciding they're never going to relate to women. So they're trying to MGTOW guys are basically trying to be masculine without relating to the feminine at all, which is is kind of like half of a magnet or it's like uh It's like a left hand without a right hand. Like it doesn't actually make sense, right? I mean, I'm not going to go ranting on MGTOW, but like it's a kind of a way of giving up. Neither one is actually relating with the feminine. It's like one is saying, one is trying to like be a woman, basically the nice guys. Like they're trying to meet the feminine by being feminine. The MGTOWs are trying to be masculine by themselves, which doesn't really work, right? They can act a certain way and be a certain way, but like it's not even doesn't work. It's like, it's kind of nonsensical. You know, masculine doesn't make sense without feminine, but essentially neither, neither one is actually relating to the feminine with tension. Like you need that separation for like polarity to exist. I'm just like holding two magnets. Like if there's no North and South pole, you're not going to feel that pull between those two things. And a nice guy, guy might feel so uncomfortable holding like the opposite relating to the feminine. So he jumps over to the other side. A MGTOW guy is just half a magnet.
1: And what would you say is the best thing a guy can do for his polarity to fix it?
0: You have to be okay. I mean, this is with any kind of polarity being okay mm-hmm. with being the opposite of whom you're relating with. Like through a, the masculine lens of reality and the feminine lens of reality, very often are different. Sometimes they're the opposite. And can you still be in connection with someone who is feeling different feelings than you? Because, I mean, that's the whole point. That's the whole point of like these kinds of intimate relationships is that there's a certain specialization of resources, like one in a two-person connection, one person is holding down the testosterone-driven virtues, the other person's holding down that oxytocin-driven virtues. Like They're both important, right? And if one person's by themselves, they would have to do both for themselves. But especially in a community, those oxytocin uh, virtues are particularly useful, which is why it's kind of hard for anyone to be in their feminine by themselves like the feminine, because it's not, when someone's really in their feminine, when they're really being driven by oxytocin, they're not, it's harder to also be looking out for your security, which is why you see women who have had to fend for themselves or they became independent really young and not, not in an, even a bad way, but like they have to run their own business or, you know, traveling by themselves and they've learned to distrust men because men that they, they've related with couldn't be, they couldn't rely on them for security or the masculine. They have a hard time getting into their feminine because they've learned to be their own security for so long.
1: It seems like a lot of it is physio- physiological. Um, that just takes me back to the example you brought up with Odysseus and the sirens. While you were talking about that, I also I was watching some um, semen retention, orgasm control videos, and I just I made a little connection between. If we're talking about arousal control, a man tries his hardest to get close to orgasm, but not peek over to where he ejaculates. Mm. So is the orgasm a man losing his polarity to the dark feminine? Are the sirens the dark feminine? Well, the sirens are obviously the dark feminine that are calling the men in to consume them. When it comes to orgasm control, is the reason that that's such a good, metaphor for polarity because orgasm is our inner feminine it's where we let go where we release our tension and we just allow our bodies to relax what do you think
0: yeah essentially i mean i just want to make clear i don't think it's bad to orgasm necessarily uh it's not like you're giving up everything but a guy who's so quick to release all the time because basically when you're when you're aroused and when you're being stimulated and you're cultivating arousal and you're feeling more and more sensation in your body you're increasing the physical tension in your body. And when you're doing that with a woman, you're going, it's like, you're stretching. I mean, it feels like that in your body. It feels like you're stretching a rubber band. Like the, the more you feel pleasure, the more you want to let it go. And yeah, I think that's a, it is, it's a great metaphor, but also uh, if there is one. So, I mean, obviously I'm in favor of arousal control and semen retention, but I think I, a lot of the, um, a lot of people's, I like, kind of overhype the benefits I think personally But one thing I'm very sure of, and it's like, this one of the benefits that I think is like, like, this is something I'll I'll bet everything on, is when a guy is cultivating arousal control, when he's having a lot of sex and not coming, he is just so willing and able to engage with the feminine. Like it becomes so interesting to be with women, but not be a woman. It's like so interesting to be a man with women because your body's like, we have to impregnate. And it's like, it's like the, The easiest, if all of this brain stuff is hard to grasp or like you have a lot of nice guy conditioning, just having sex and not coming will kind of put you in that mode because your body will force you to be that way.
1: It's like your body wants to complete the cycle.
0: Just keep
1: doing it, keep doing it, keep teasing it.
0: Yeah, because your body, (laughs) to go back to the Odysseus thing, your body, your, your genes want you to crash against the rocks in a sense, like they're willing for you to sacrifice your energy. For the sake of passing on, like, like your your genes basically don't care if you die as long as you spread your je- those genes enough, right? So like you know that's the whole Taoist idea behind like why it's so energetically costly to come often. Being able to handle that tension and like be like Odysseus where you hear the sirens' calls and you enjoy it without crashing on the rocks that is the skill, and that's why I opened that episode with that story.
1: Can we talk a little bit about um, Taoist? and orgasms sure i i've been practicing my practice and um is the valley orgasm a thing is that something that exists a non-ejaculatory orgasm
0: yes uh personally i'll be upfront. like it's something i've experienced but it's not something i experience regularly mm. as far as like a full-blown orgasm not to say that it can't happen or that other people can't uh, or that i won't on a regular basis eventually um what i do experience personally is kind of like a mini orgasm which i can experience many times as long as i don't ejaculate basically and uh and i'll actually quote uh john gray who wrote a minute for mars and for venus when he was on my podcast we ended up speaking like half the time on orgasms which is not what i expected um, but he was basically sharing i think a, a very simple way of understanding it is like if you keep coming close to the edge you'll, you'll have these little blips of, of, of sensation. And if you pull back and you keep coming closer, like those waves will get a little bigger and a little bigger. It's like, you're like building up energy and then like, it goes higher and higher and higher. And eventually it reaches the level that is close to a full orgasm without ejaculating.
1: It's interesting. It's almost like we've been conditioned more to, to focus on our genital areas instead of our full body because it seems like now uh, in order to achieve a full body orgasm, it's, it's in the title, but you have to bring the energy to other parts of your body. And as someone who's just started to practice this, I'm feeling sensations in places I never thought I would feel, you know, like that's great. usually when you think about sex, you think about your penis and maybe a little bit of your upper body. But I felt like surges of electricity going down to my foot, uh, in my head, down my back. I don't know. I feel like this should be common knowledge, you know, Um, male anatomy. You should, you should know how your orgasms work.
0: Yeah. Well, to uh, most of the world has had uh, created this like reductionist view of the body. It's like, Oh, sex happens with your genitals or it's even like, even like, you know, in fitness, like actually I'm not going to go there, but basically like we, we look at the body as like these specific parts as opposed to like this big holistic thing. Like if, if someone is sensitive enough, a brush on their shoulder should be able to give them goosebumps in their legs. Like that's something, if you're really in your body, that's something that's kind of normal. You know, this is kind of normal for children who, who haven't learned to view or separate their body parts into these isolated pieces. And, um, and actually, yeah, to your point, I mean, for, for guys who like want a tip on lasting longer or feeling more pleasure in sex or both at the same time. And they don't want to learn the microcosmic orbit or things like that. The tip I give so many people is when you're having sex, think about your hands and your feet, just like notice your hands and your feet and just doing that, that, that awareness just will bring the sensation instead of just localizing in your genitals, it'll spread to your whole body. So you have like this whole, just, just being aware of it allows like your body to open and you can feel it everywhere. And just that alone will allow you to feel sensation throughout your body. And it's like, if you focus on the furthest parts of your body or extremities, it'll allow that to spread. It'll also give you more space. Like, whereas, you know, when you're, when your dick is full in quotes, like, that's when you like, that's when you have to discharge, right. You can't, you can't handle anymore. That's when you come, but if you spread it out to your whole body, you can imagine that now your container for sensation is like, you know, your, your body's obviously a lot bigger than your dick. There's more space. Um, and that by itself is a great arousal control technique, but it's also something I've noticed just makes my body feel a lot better. Instead of just enjoying the pleasure in my genitals, I can feel some some sort of pleasure throughout my whole body.
1: And in your personal opinion, do you think that has an effect on a man's psyche? Like uh, just having all your energy focused on your penis instead of being able to spread it out in terms of your ability to, to ground emotions and things like that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the reasons why I'm so into arousal control is like, it's nice to have people last longer in bed. That's great. But it's almost like this skill is useful for handling any kind of tension, emotional tension whatever. Like if you get stressed out about something, like you're in traffic and like everything in your body like crunches up, that's like, who's to say you're not going to do that in bed? Or who's to say that, you know, that's not the same thing as coming too soon. Like just like overreacting to a small amount of sensation like being able to handle a lot of sensation and stay grounded is the skill of lasting as lasting long in bed but it's also the skill of handling feelings and when you speak about grounding or like the the things that make a testosterone driven individual useful to a society a tribe what makes masculine what why masculinity is important very often is handling tension handling tension for the sake of the people who are in their feminine being able to handle nature uh, and protect the pregnant women and children like that's you know we're we're speaking metaphorically here obviously but it's the same type of skills the same types of feelings
1: mm-hmm. yeah I've always uh, equated uh, tension with um, sexual tension because it's pretty much the same thing I think I, I learned a lot of it from fearless man uh, Brian Biggin I think mm-hmm. you I don't know if you've had him or you've had someone else from fearless but he talks a lot about that too
0: Yeah. I've done a few collaborations with Brian uh, back in the day. Yeah. What is your definition of the dark feminine? Basically the dark feminine are the antisocial expressions of the feminine. Uh, I can give examples more easily than I can come up with a concrete definition, but you know, manipulation, emotional distress. It's like, uh, I'm thinking of like I I don't feel some Louis CK, but he's got a bit about how uh, you know, boys versus girls, like, boys will break your stuff, uh, men will break your arm, but women will take a shit in your heart, right? It's like, it's like a, different, it's a different kind of control and damage. And um, I mean, the dark masculine is something I think about a lot more, which is like this animalistic side of the testosterone part of our psyches, like the perhaps uh, unpleasant or animalistic or uh, antisocial aspects of the masculine. So I would say the same thing for the feminine, uh, it just comes out differently whereas the dark expressions of testosterone might be in violence, in taking, in power. the dark feminine can be the same. And we could even put in that category if we want like some of that taboo desires of women like to be on the receiving end of a rape fantasy. We could put that in the category of the dark feminine as well. Um, but I think most people when they think of it <clears throat> and like when men think of it practically, they're thinking about like the bad things women, can do to a man or a person, and it's usually in the realm of emotional manipulation.
1: And why do you think it exists? Because the dark masculine is necessary for killing, for protecting, or you need that darkness inside of you, you know, to to take care of your tribe or just your family mm-hmm. in general. So, what is the purpose of the dark feminine?
0: What is Actually, it here to do? That's a that's a good question to feed into this. Uh, I mean, the darkness in either the darkness that's our this within us all exists for a purpose right it exists as you pointed out it's typically survival purposes like there are certain behaviors that we call dark because they don't fit our current society's sense of right and wrong right mm-hmm. into the in 21st century no one thinks oh killing is okay right but in the stone age no one thought killing wasn't okay because sometimes you just had to that was just that was just how it is so like the things that we call dark are basically survival impulses or like their behaviors that have been useful for survival and replication for thousands of, or thousands upon thousands, millions of generations, even going before humans existed. And they just don't happen to fit in with our social constructs right now. They don't, so are they, they don't dark? F-
1: they're, obsolete? Uh,
0: they're, they're not necessarily obsolete. In society. Uh, society has probably decided they're obsolete, but like should society break down? men will have to kill, you know, even so, so to go back to the questions like the dark masculine, you know, this, uh, this uh, craving for power, this desire to dominate uh, this desire to uh, kill your enemies and rape their women. Like, these are all taboo things. They're not things you can just talk about or like things that you can express or should you not even say that you should, but like, they're not things that you that are accepted, but to our stone age ancestors and previous they were very effective strategies for furthering their genes. Like the the caveman who was willing to club the other cavemen and take their women, spread more of his genes. You know, fast forward uh, thousands and thousands of years, Genghis Khan, uh, you know, has I think I looked this up. Genghis Khan has sixteen million descendants right now. You know, he had over a thousand children. He's one of the most success. His genes were some of the most successful genes that we know of today all through dark impulses. He, 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 he wiped out entire ethnic groups and had sex with all of their women like that. Those are dark impulses. So bringing this to the dark feminine, what is the dark feminine? They are behaviors that are related to the feminine, related to oxytocin-driven, estrogen-driven impulses that are particularly beneficial for survival, but don't necessarily fit what's socially acceptable. So actually, I think that's that's the. I'm glad you asked that question because that's probably the best definition I've come up with, (laughs) just now with my with my rambling. Like all of those things, like whether it's uh, like one of the one of the one aspect of the dark feminine that for a long time like made me really feel like weird is the concept of war brides. Have you heard of this?
1: Is it where uh, conquer conquer someone else and takes their wife?
0: Yeah. So the idea of war brides is basically uh, a woman's family was just slaughtered. And eventually she'll fall in love with a guy who killed her family. And from the perspective of the guy that has just been killed, that's like a really depressing thought. Like, Oh, if some guy kills you and takes your, your wife, she's going to eventually fall in love with him. And then, you know, it relates to Stockholm syndrome as well. Like falling in love with your captors. Those are really dark ideas because they so do not fit our ideas of rationality and what's socially acceptable. Like, it doesn't make sense. And, and a woman, even in a, or anybody, and this happened to anybody in that situation, especially Stockholm Syndrome, it doesn't make sense. Like, if zoomed from the outside, a person, a hostage might be like, why the hell did I fall in love with my captors? But these are genetic behaviors that for thousands of years were very useful for survival. Like if you were abducted by a stronger, more dominant set of barbarians, you better love them because then now you're relying on them. The woman who's the, the whole war brides thing dark feminine like she, her family was just slaughtered that's terrible but her best chance at survival and even more than that her best chance at creating uh, fit young that will go on to survive is to mate with her captors so that's why she naturally falls in love with them and this is kind of like the dark side of the lover archetype too like love is not always this uh light and flowery angelic thing like there is a dark side to love even like in many ways love is a spell and that doesn't mean it's it's bad or, or anything to be feared but it's something that people should know when they enter love, when they express the lover archetype. Like they can be fooled by it. They can, uh, you know, it is something. And on the flip side, it's something that needs to be cultivated, just like uh, just like any reality.
1: I thought of something while you were talking about this. Um, mm-hmm. So, the dark feminine is are those aspects that um, you know are help us survive, but they're not necessarily. They don't necessarily work with society mm-hmm. so is the dark feminine's role to weed out the weak masculines to kind of eat them which would be the sirens causing the weaker men to <laughs> pull to the shore and uh, you know just test their masculinity constantly push it kind of like shit tests almost mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to polarity and dating
0: is it yeah we can we can say it, that i mean yeah, essentially, like there's this thing in biology called Bateman's principle, which basically, I mean, basically it says, this is a much simplified version of it, but basically it says that there's a, a greater spread between the winners and losers of males than females. And this is true for many different species, not all species sometimes it's reversed, um, but <clears throat> for like mammals or for humans, like the, or primates, let's say the, the top, the top males will have many children typically, and the bottom males will have zero. Whereas with females, no matter what their status is, all females will typically produce a child every every mating season, for instance. And what this means is like, if you're high status, it's way better to be a male. If you're low status, it's way better to be a female, just just in terms of genetic success. So if and if you're a low status male, you're going to have no genetic success, basically. So that's essentially the nice guys or the tao's who like, you know, they cannot compete with the other males or they're choosing not to compete. And what determines whether they can compete or not, how they react to women or how women react to them. So in a sense, this is maybe, maybe a more nerdy way of looking at what you just said is like, uh, yeah, these tests are deciding where the bar is like, Oh, you, you, you failed the test Well, you're not mating worthy. And those guys don't pass on their genes. And it is a, it is a, in a sense, a way that, Women clear out the next generation of weak men. And I want to say this because I could, I could imagine a MGTOW person taking this and like running and turning this into more resentment or, or, or even red pill guys being like, this is why you can't trust women. You know, I think it's a beautiful thing. And actually, if you're a man, if you're a man right now listening to this and maybe you, you know, you don't get laid a lot and you're just thinking, oh shit, I'm at the bottom and this is making you mad or whatever, making you feel whatever feelings, just know. That for human males, it's very easy to move in the hierarchy, right? Which is why I don't get the MGTOW thing. It's just like, yeah, maybe you're at the bottom, right? Maybe you've been miseducated in how to relate to women, but you can learn how to move up the hierarchy. Like, gorillas can't do that. Like, you should be grateful you're a human being. Gorillas, if you're a small male gorilla and you can't fight the other gorillas, you're fucked. There's nothing you can do about it. But if you're a guy who grew up with nice guy syndrome or a mother complex or you just or you're not, you know, genetically good looking or whatever, you can do there's so many things within your control, going can have you rise up to the hierarchy and you can be the stud that is desired by many women. Like it, it is well within your possibilities. within your possibilities. It doesn't matter what you look like, it doesn't matter, you know, whatever, like you have that ability, which is why I think this MGTOW thing is so it's such like a, such a pansy way of looking at the world. Like you're going to give up just because you're at the bottom of the hierarchy. Like, get out of here. Like, come on, like take advantage. Anyway, I don't mean to rant forever, but. Yeah, no, it is. It's <laughs> running away
1: from like, your yeah. own
0: Yeah, Go off, man. It's, it's like, it, it is that though. It's, it's,
1: it's men who have been rejected or hurt by women. And instead of facing them, they choose to run away from it. And instead of facing the issue, you're just walking sidestepping it because eventually you're going to have to interact with women. If you're, you're going to, hope to spread your genes as a man in this life and that that drive is always going to be there you're always going to want to interact with women so yeah. it, it just makes no
0: sense it's, it's
1: like a temporary phase i think i think the the word pansy was uh, adequate yeah i was gonna describing. say pussy
0: but i didn't want to get that i didn't want to get that conflated with the glorious glorious pussy <laughs> uh yeah anyway I don't think we're talking about the lover archetype anymore. That's for sure. That's we, right. are. <laughs> if you do have any other, you know, feel free to ask whatever you want.
1: So, I listened to the social breaking
0: social constructs
1: episode, and mm. uh, what I took from it a lot of uh, social norms are arbitrary in that they change from culture to culture. And it's really more um, the society that determines them. Mm-hmm. So, in fitting in, with norms that don't agree with the person you are who you are as a person Is, is that something that could make a person sick psychologically in adapting to a society that's maybe not not in line with who you are as a person
0: i think uh just like forcing any animal to go against its instincts it'll it'll feel bad like uh you know uh and we have limited—we have a limited ability to go against our instincts. We can retrain new instincts, and that's what societal indoctrination does. But if there's something that like is really true to you, and you're constantly suppressing it and fighting it, eventually it'll come out in some unconscious way, I and mean, that's essentially a dissociated archetype. So, yeah, I mean, societies aren't bad. And I, you know, I don't want to go in a hundred percent individualistic mode. That like, oh, your personal impulses are always better than what society tells you. I mean, I used to think that honestly when I was younger, and I think that's more of like a liberal, progressive uh, young person's view. Uh, I do see a lot of value in some level of not necessarily conforming, but like finding a tribe that fits you, because being isolated, being like this single unit all by yourself that like consumerism has turned us into, like, that's not healthy either. But yeah, I mean, I, it, you know, if you're constantly, you know, let's say like you want to explore the world or like you have, is something I hear a lot. Uh, people reach out to me a lot about. is like, they have these strong sexual desires, but they grew up in a religious household where that is not okay. And they feel evil for it. Like mm-hmm. that feeling bad about who you are, which is essentially a shame is, is not, ever useful like it never it never yields anything positive it never yields anything pleasant it's always in some form of it's always some form of damaging
1: yeah that's that's what i was getting at because it it, i noticed i noticed that even with um we're talking about men women polarity masculine feminine even in that the social norms affect us so much and the way it manifests itself in society like a lot of the, especially 2020, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news, but throughout social media, it's just been a constant back and forth between gender roles and how a man should be behaving and how a woman should be behaving. And I feel like that's just because our norms are outdated and in need of updating. Um, but the update, you know, where that's, that's, that's what we got to get to. It's hard to come by. Like nobody really knows what's right but I also feel like it can come from the individual because uh, we have this union inside of, of divine, masculine, and feminine energies. That's not present right now. It's, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a global shift waiting to happen. Just those, those outdated social norms coming into the present day.
0: It is tough because something you mentioned earlier was, uh, that some dark masculine impulses are outdated, right? Like we, most men don't actually need, if you live in a first world country, you don't need a lot of those impulses and now it'll throw you in jail, even though it was what allowed your ancestors to survive. That is true. And it's true. A lot of uh, a lot of masculine impulses are not necessarily needed the way they, they were before, that's just the fact. But that doesn't mean suppressing them is necessarily good because we still have this wiring and, um, uh, basically what's happening is what's happened through history is there are certain like masculine feminine traits that were useful. So they became prominent in men and women uh, society, tried to codify it in different ways. Like, Oh, uh, we, like when we moved out of the stone age, we recognized, Oh, men who are strong are more useful. And then they said, Oh, men always have to be strong and they can never feel emotion. Like that became codified in certain cultures or subcultures or like women have to be uh, submissive, all the time. Like it basically took a natural impulse that was true sometimes. And they said, well, now it has to be true all the time. So they kind of, even though they were going in the direction with nature, they, they made it so strict that they were no longer in line with nature. And then obviously, as we see through the last thousands of years, these, these ideas, which have been disconnected from, from nature, now have been taken to extremes. They've caused depression. They've used, been used to ju- uh, justify harming people or doing things that are not natural to people and then now we're seeing kind of a backlash against those conservative ideas where like the postmodernist idea is like, oh, gender is completely a construct. Like, oh, whatever you believe, that's that's reality. Like nothing is. And now we're d- 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 like, further and further disconnecting from nature to the point where like people think that gender is just a thing that you can make up, which is also not true. But yeah, anyway, people are confused. It's kind of like the it's like our, our rational minds have like spun out of control in creating this world. Uh, that's not necessarily connected to real reality, material reality? I think the
1: the major thing with that is that we need to go to one side of the spectrum in order to understand it before shifting to the other and then maybe coming down to a concrete truth because there are, you know, um, truth isn't objective. I mean, it's, who knows, but, you know, we need to understand. If, if we're talking about, a dualistic idea we need to understand both sides in order to come to a medium that works and i feel like that medium would be the new set of social norms and i feel i just feel like the world's in for a big change in the next couple of years uh
0: definitely, definitely see that yeah because the way it is right now is definitely not stable and uh yeah i mean to be a little f- philosophical if there is an objective reality, there's no way that we can know for sure that we know it, right? Because we have our subjective perceptions. So like, whether there is like a perfect middle ground or like a perfect set of social norms, we'll never know. Um, But it's just just natural through culture for like social norms to swing back and forth and hopefully match up in some way with the the times. Because it is true, even though I'm obviously, you know, very in favor of men, being masculine and being in touch with their masculinity. It is true that we don't really need it as much as 3000 years ago. It doesn't mean we don't need it at all. And, you know, even it might be outdated from a survival function, but our sexual functions still follow this, right? Like women are still attracted to this in men because for thousands and thousands of generations, those were the men you wanted to sleep with. The ones who were really masculine. So women are still attracted to that and uh, men still feel good when they express that women still feel good when they're in their feminine and they're safe. So that's just how we are.
1: Do you have any ideas as to anything that could come about in the next 10 years? I personally feel like, and men, like you said, uh, men are still masculine, women are still attracted to that. They're also still attracted to a feminine woman. But it's like, we don't need those masculine traits as much as we once did. However, we're starting to use more of our feminine side more um, in terms of like being in a society, um, you know, that's, that's the whole um, liberal agenda, just making sure everybody's heard and represented and has their their side heard. Maybe it it turns out that men just become more feminine while holding their masculinity. I don't know. I'm just speculating, but.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's ever going to be a fully stable thing It's like, uh, let's say, a couple of decades ago when Robert Bly was prominent uh, or that kind of men's work was prominent. Like there's a men's work or men's development is all about getting in touch with their feelings. Basically like the men of the fifties were totally disconnected from that part of themselves. So in the sixties and seventies, men softened up. In our generation in the eighties and nineties and two thousands, men have gotten too soft in general. So like you have all these guys that are trying to learn how to be hard again, basically um and we might see the i mean and now probably in the next decade you'll have a lot more i mean especially with like red pill being prominent and stuff you'll probably see a lot more guys like going hard and maybe there's going to be another backlash i don't know it might just go back and forth uh with smaller and smaller cycles forever until we merge with machines (laughs) or something
1: (laughs) (laughs) i could see it as like a a man so in the past men were masculine and it worked because they didn't really have to get in touch with their feelings they were more around other men uh you know as a tribe you were hunting and then you come around to the men who became soft um in the 90s and 1900s and they just became more in tune with their emotions more aware more empathic and now that it's on the other side of the spectrum it's shifting to men who are maybe masculine while being conscious of their emotions. Unlike the first iteration, which is just masculine men who weren't, who didn't have so much need for their emotions. But now in the society Mm -hmm. that we're in as men, we kind of have to have that, uh, those emotions in check because we are interacting more with women and um, not just men. It's kind of like,
0: uh, it's kind of like David data called uh, stage three men. And like, yeah, I mean, and it might, maybe a good analogy or a good, uh, another opposite example of this is like when women started going, entering the workforce, they had to activate their masculine in a way that maybe they hadn't so much when all women were housewives. Um, So nowadays or in recent decades, most women, even feminine women are pretty in touch with their masculine. They've had to adapt because now they have to earn their own income and like handle their own in the corporate world. And now you see we're given like the cultural backlash and these changes and forces men are basically having to learn how to be feminine more to work with women and to, you know, uh, match the new sh- like social shifts of what is okay or not. Uh, like guys have to, and, and actually, you know, when Robert Glover was on my podcast, he said like, even though male millennials get a lot of shit for being weak or being nice guys more than previous generations, like millennials are the most empathic men. Like, in general, like our generation is the most, uh, I mean, I don't know if you're Generation Z, but like basically same same, same idea, like younger people, younger men are the most aware of their feelings of any generation, even the ones who like don't think about it. Like, and he was saying how, you know, young guys dress better than guys did, you know, a couple of decades ago. They're just, they're just a more, of, more aware of these feminine things, which is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it's just a sign that, like we've adapted as a as a culture as a as a species uh, for the new type of social structure that we have doesn't mean we should throw out everything but you know yeah we men have become more in touch with the feminine side culturally
1: there's a lot of big changes on the horizon i'm excited man i'm excited to see what the world has in store Mm -hmm. 2020 was uh i was i was just always following the news and i i was on At one point, I was on one of the spectrums of between, you know, um, conservative, Republican Mm -hmm. and Democrats, liberals um, here in America. So I for a good time, I was. I was on that duality and then I was able to kind of step out from it and see see it as a. Masculine, feminine distortion on either side, Mm -hmm. and I just I just feel like there's there's a fix that's going to come either by a social event or god forbid another covid but who knows i just you know i'm just i'm i'm excited i feel like there's another revolution coming in terms yeah. of men and women sexuality all that
0: probably yeah i mean you always see some sort of correction like between masculine and feminine or like liberal and conservative forces like uh in in the last century society has generally become more and more liberal like if you think compare like 1900 to 2000 like world societies have become way more liberal but when you look at the 60s which was a huge spike in liberality you saw a backlash in the 70s and 80s of like switching to conservatism and like now we see like same thing again like uh you know all of these civil rights uh for let's say lgbtq has been great has been positive but it's gone so far that now we're seeing this backlash with young people being like wait no we actually like our biological polarity or like these, there's beneficial things here. You're always going to see a correction. Like there's no, I don't know if we can ever determine what the perfect balance is, but you're always going to see the swing back and forth. And it seems like we're, it seems like young people are actually swinging conservative. <clears throat> Not that I follow politics that much, but like you see this, like a lot of people, you know, the walk away thing from the democratic party or like a lot of people of color are becoming more conservative in their politics. Cause like they can see things have gone too far
1: a lot of nurture versus nature and just as it
0: i feel like as it keeps shifting
1: on the pendulum it just becomes more mixed we get closer and closer to something to a truth maybe but um yeah that
0: yeah uh, or uploading our consciousness to the internet that's probably probably what we're (laughs) that's the (laughs) truth
1: you're like man elon musk has it right
0: yeah cool man yeah, Any um, other questions? This was fun. This was great. Anything yeah, it else? was. Uh, dark feminine um, or anything? I think we hit a lot of good things.
1: No, I think that's it. I had a lot of questions down too, but within like the first twenty minutes, while you were uh, ranting, you kind of hit all of them, and I was like, "Shit, uh, I gotta come <laughs> up with it." <laughs> but
0: it worked out great. So cool, awesome, man. Yeah, all right, we're gonna, All right, yeah, let's do this again sometime.
1: Yeah, dude. Um, enjoy your morning, man.